Hey, Kyle, fuck you. Thanks for making my life more complicated. <laughs> yeah, you see what kind of effect I have on people? Yeah, he's not the first. What's up? Welcome to The Highway with Kyle Shut. I am Kyle Shut. We got such a treat for you this week on the show. We got Ken Haas, the CEO of Reverend Guitars. What guitars? Reverend Guitars. The best guitars. They got signature models from Bob Balch, Billy Corgan, Reeves Gabrels, even your boy right here, yours truly. If you like what you hear on the program, you can follow where you can follow, subscribe where you can subscribe. It really helps us out. And if you want to go one step further, get early access to next week's episode, even get yourself a shout out, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the highway. And uh, yeah, anybody can get a shout out. We got Leah Montgomery this week helped us out. Thank you, Leah. Heather Roby, Burro Diablo. I'm sure you have a real name, but I'm sticking with that. And Joe Fleischer, they all helped out this month. Thank you all so much. We also have to give much, much mad love to our sponsors, Heil Microphones. If you like the way I sound, it's because there's a Heil in front of me. I'm having a ton of fun with this talk show. I hope you're enjoying it too. And uh, I think I like it so much because I get to do things my way. The Highway. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's happening? That was that was way nicer than your your sample yeah. audio. Uh, oh, you gonna you gonna share that with everybody? Share <laughs> that with everybody. Me. Yeah. Oh, I will. Oh, I definitely will. Yeah. Everybody, uh, Ken Haas from Reverend Guitars, Railhammer Pickups, uh, probably something else cooking up that Joe Naylor has invented that I don't even know about yet. But probably. Uh, yeah, th- uh, thanks for coming on the program. I uh, it, th- th- Mostly we have like musicians and, and things like that on this podcast, but I think it's really important to bring people from the gear side in to kind of shed some light on the relationships between artists and uh, gear companies and just, uh, yeah, just t- talk about how we met and stuff. Um, and uh, just because I love Reverend Guitars and Royal Hammer Pickups, and you should too. I, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody should. <laughs> uh, how... Uh, I don't really, you know, uh, structure these with any like uh, questions or anything like that that I'm uh, yeah. dying to know. But I uh, uh, just kind of, if you won't mind giving the the listeners just a little bit of background about how you got into playing the guitar and wanting to own your own guitar company. Oh wow, that's a tough one, man. Uh, you're getting into my um, my dealer presentation speech, and then and then I start to sound rehearsed, and then people nod off. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna avoid that by drinking. Uh, we're gonna yes. make it a drinking game. Every time, that sounds um, good. Yeah, every time I start talking about myself, everybody has to do a shot. Uh, you got so it. So I hope you I'm, have a I'm lot ready. Of shots. All right. Uh, here we go. Um, <laughs> I uh, I um, went to a Catholic high school, and I don't remember why because I'm not like a Catholic person. I think I, I was distracted by girls or something had to go to this like all guys Catholic high school. And um, I, I had nothing, it, it, it just didn't, it just didn't click for some reason with me. Um, there was nothing that, you know, none of the usual high school, I, like every musician tells this story, well, I just didn't fit in there. You know, it's, just didn't fit in. But um, I didn't, and I, I, I had this like weird, idea of what music was because I used to sit up at night and listen to like the Dr. Demento radio show and stuff and so like you know I spent like my middle school and high school years talking about Captain Sensible and shit that people had no idea what I was talking about (laughs) and then uh, one day I discovered uh, just sort of walking down the hall in the high school a kid with uh, some misfits paraphernalia hanging in his locker who I never really talked to and I was like dude uh, Bose what's with that and we started talking about punk rock and we started going to shows and um, it, and the, the natural progression of that is I want to do this, you know. Um, one of the first shows that we went to, I'm 51 now. Um, one of the first shows that I saw when I was uh, 15 years old, 16 years old, um, was the last Black Flag tour with Henry Rollins. Um, Dang. I saw, I saw their second to last show in Ann Arbor, Michigan with a couple other SST bands, Painted Willie and Gone opening. Um, and we, we spent a lot of time stalking SST bands and, and I was just into 
I was in the SST stuff. I was really into Dagnasty. I was really into the Descendants, um, and and so and and was really into Husker Du. And on top of all that, I was really into like I I got really into this weird um, like metal thing that was going on in the late '80s too. I got really into Creator and and Coroner, and so I I kept trying to like put all these styles together into one band, like have this sort of like heaviness thing but have like the sort of punk rock energy but have like the ringing chords instead of the palm muting all the time and i just and so we basically had this weird band that was unlistenable <laughs> <laughs> um what was it called uh it was it ended up being called the culture bandits and i did it off and on for for between 1987 and and the late 90s um but that's the, a good band name but originally it was a three-piece, and when um, we did a three-piece for uh, as a three-piece for three or four years, and then we we disbanded for a couple years. Our drummer went off to be um, in an alternative tentacles band called Queen Bee and Goober and the Peas, and he he did stuff. Um, and we eventually started it up again in the late '90s with a, another drummer and a different guitar player. And, um, and it was a lot of fun, you know, but it, like the early incarnation of it, it was just one of those bands that um, that all the other bands in town went to see, you know. I always had crazy drummers, and, and we did weird stuff, you know what I mean? It was like some sort of weird, like, punk rock rush thing or something where we had, we always had, like, parts and all this different shit, and we thought about it way too much, you know what I mean? That's and awesome. the band was really the best when we just, like, let go and played rock music, but you know we didn't do that we were really heady and stuff and it was just it, at times i guess and it was just so it, it, i started just becoming fascinated with the guitar itself and and um and i you know i i don't know what what it's not really a straight path you know um my uncle played guitar and passed away when i was 11 years old and i inherited his telly and his twin i have a 68 telly and a 65 twin um you've played through Jeez. the 65 twin at my office yeah it's the, uh -huh. it's the one of the amps that's at the in the reverend studio and um and so i had these things but i didn't know how to work a telecaster i had to have guitars with humbuckers and and uh you know because i, I didn't learn how to work a telly until shit i was 40. <laughs> 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 but uh and uh in and by the late 90s i was i was just buying and selling guitars um i kept going to guitar shows and 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 doing you know just getting getting my hands on them and moving then i had everything i i went through a big ibanez phase in the early 90s and then i went through the obligatory strat phase and and I always had Les Pauls, but I was always more comfortable with bolt-on necks. I always wanted to find a Les Paul that worked, but I could never really find one that worked for me. You know, unlike mm -hmm. you, I know you were out there playing some Whopper 12, 13-pounders for a little while. I guess my shoulders just weren't as strong as yours, Kyle. I was young. I was very young at the time. And uh, <laughs> I, I think the, the Silver Burst one I had, I think that was 14 pounds. Good Lord. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I had learned to shred on a, a Guild S100. Which is a very small guitar. It's oh yeah, like, those, a, like a like a sensei or, or an SG kind of sure, style of guitar. Sure. Um, but uh, we played with a band called the Lord Weird Slaufeg. That was one of my favorite bands uh, back in the, the early two thousands. And um, they their, their singer Mike Scalzi, yeah, he just tore ass on a Les Paul. And I was like, my God, that's like playing a log. You know, right, it's right. like I was. I just I don't know. I, I just felt like I had something to prove. I was like, no, if if I can shred on a Les Paul, I can shred on anything. So that that was kind of <laughs> yeah, my my. Uh, ego getting in the way of uh style for a little bit there but yeah that's kind of how i learned to just do all my crazy double tapping and and, and stuff on a les paul yeah. uh but then i sold them all because of uh, reasons we'll get into later but yeah. uh yeah uh, but yeah but go ahead i'm sorry no no just by the late 90s i i um i mean i i was i was regularly buying and selling guitars and i, I don't and it, it got to be less about you know well i'm looking for this tone or that tone or whatever because i kind of I had the stuff that I played that I liked, you know, I had a handful of guitars that, you know, I, I, and I still have this one. It's a really, it's a really weird, um, early Fender custom shop set neck Telecaster. So it's a 24 and three quarter scale mahogany, Whoa. mahogany telly with two DiMarzios in it and a hardtail bridge. And it's got this quilted top. It's like a three tone burst. It's not the flashiest thing in the world, but it just fucking sounded great 
everything I plugged it into, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, I, that was mostly what I played out with was that one and like the American standard strat or whatever. And, and, um, and then one day, one day I was, uh, bumming around a music store in Detroit and there was a rev, one of Naylor's early Reverend guitars hanging on the wall and, and it said East Point, Michigan on the headstock. And I was like, well, shit, that's right over on the other side of town. Like, what is this? You know, and I took it down and played it, and and the, those original Reverend guitars are just really funky and cool, and it was so light and and so different, and it was made in Detroit, and I was like, I you know, so of course I bought it, and then it, in, at the time, um, I was my day job, I was doing like automotive stuff, and I was selling paint and sandpaper to body shops and and light industrial shit like that, and so I just looked up Joe, get this in the yellow pages. <laughs> I looked up Reverend Guitars. It was 1999, and um, I just went and banged on the back door and and asked if I could sell him sandpaper for his machines and stuff that he was using in the shop. And and then he and I just started to be friends. And 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 uh, he invited me to go to a Nam show with him. I went to Summer Nam. It was 99 or 2000. I had never been to one. And when it was in Nashville when the Nashville Nam show was was really a hopping thing still, um, and I, I walked in the door, and the, there was a place where if you came in off of Second Avenue, if you didn't come in off Broadway, if you came in off Second, you you would be at the top of these stairs, and there were some rooms upstairs, and their old convention center, and then you could look down over the main floor through this like glass wall. And I looked down over the main floor and saw all these booths set up with guitars and amps and shit. And it was over. Like, I, I mean, like right then and there, it, it was crazy. Like my, my career that I had been nursing for, you know, seven or eight years, fuck my first marriage, if we're going to be honest, was over <laughs> right then and there. Like yeah. I looked at it and I was just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely doing the wrong thing with my life. You know, and I and I just knew it. And from that moment forward, everything was about getting, being a part of that, a part of that life or whatever. And it just happened to work out that at that show, I was there, like I said, I was there with Naylor, of course, with Reverend. And um, I sold, I accidentally sold a couple of guitars to uh, a player named Will Ray, who I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he, he was in a band called the Helicasters. And um, and they they're just this wicked mostly instrumental telly guys, you know. And Will still writes a column in Premier Guitar um, on vintage gear, and 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 he's just a fascinating player, like a, just a master with the slide. And and um, the other guys in the band were Jerry Donahue and, and uh, Jorgensen, from, you know, uh, you know, what's his name? I can see him. <laughs> he plays with I don't know. I El wish I knew. Elton I'm John. So sorry. He plays with Elton John. Uh, oh, but but oh. these these three guys, they they just put out these crazy, amazing records, and they just the shredding and the harmonies and all that shit, and you know, and clean stuff. You know, it's nuts. And uh, and I just ran into him, and and um, and he asked me about Reverend because he saw it on my badge, and I went into the whole thing. I'm like, oh, dude, you got to meet Joe, and you know, the, the guitars are this and that and this and that, and then about a half hour later, I walked by the booth, and Joe's selling, getting a check from him, you know. And and Will and Will's like, oh, there's Ken. Yeah, he's Will told me about you. He's a real nice guy there. And uh, and and Will <laughs> Will goes away, and Joe was like, dude, like, what'd you do? How'd you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just started talking to him. And then Naylor said the magic words, I'm gonna bring you to every one of these, and you just <laughs> go out and on the floor and you bring guys like that over here. And I was like, shit, yeah. And then that led to me doing guitar shows like local, you know, the, the Dallas International Guitar Festival, of course, uh, the Philly shows, local shows here around uh, Detroit and, and in Ohio, um, the Columbus, Cleveland, that kind of those shows. But then also the NAMM shows uh, for Joe for the next five or six years. And Joe would often pay me in gear, which was fine with me. And I was using <laughs> all of my vacation time from my you know, day jobs to go to do guitar shows. And, uh, and that went on until about 2006 when at one of these shows, um, Joe was just launching the stage King line. It was called at the time. And it was when Reverend introduced, um, the jet stream and the charger. And this happened to be the year that we introduced the, um, 
the Daredevil and the Roundhouse and the Manta Ray, which are all the predecessors to the Senseis and the, the Cardinal Shut model that we make now. And, um, and at that show, people just really connected with what Joe was doing. And I got more aggressive at that show because I was sort of, I had, I'd quit my day job at that point. I owned a small business for a few years, uh, like in automotive, and I decided to shut it down. So I was like, gonna have to come home from this NAM show and get a real job. And I didn't want to, and I ended up selling, I think, close to 500 guitars at that show. <laughs> Dang. And Naylor, Naylor at the end of that show was like, dude, I, I want to hire you as my sales director, all these, you know, you made a lot of contacts at the show and people are going to want to talk to you when they call in and everything. And I was like, yes, finally. So, um, that was how I started working for Joe. And then, uh, and then long story short, I'm, I mean, a few years went by and we had that recession in 2008 and stuff got kind of crummy. Um, yeah. And Joe, Joe was spending too much time, um, the thing that they say uh, where you um, uh, you work at your business but you don't work on your business kind of a thing you know yeah, and yeah. I and I, I have to I have to watch that too but, but Joe is a is a brilliant designer and holds patents in this industry um, I mean all of the reverend stuff he he designs he designed the railhammer pickups of course um, but there's a slew of other products that have that have come and gone over the years and and brands that he has started like string dog and armor gold and a few things um that he, and all tone speakers that have moved on to other people as well um and and the reverend thing joe was it was i think managing you know employees and taxes and all of the bullshit was just sucking the creative life out of the guy and um mm -hmm. and so he was looking to to sell the company and and realign himself as more as a of a consultant or whatever and um basically penny and i just didn't want to see him sell the company to some doofus you know and uh because that that can happen in this business i don't know if you know that <laughs> <laughs> i can think of a few names yeah, yeah right and and yeah. so we were just so penny and i made him an offer and and it, it, it was probably you know it was what we could afford you know but along with that offer was dude, you, you are the guy, you design the guitars and we don't tell you what to design. And, and you, you know, a, a way you have the creative freedom to do what you want to do with this thing. And we'll give you a percentage for as long as you want to do that. And, um, and it's turned out to be a really good thing for the two of us. And so Naylor and I have a very unique relationship, um, in any, I mean, especially as, as a band guy, you know, because because being in a working touring band you have you're friends with the guys you're in a band with and but you were also in business together and that mm -hmm. that can be a bitch you know and and Naylor and I have are in a unique situation where um where we were friends before I started working for him and me working for him didn't ruin that and then those roles kind of changed and that and then him me owning the company and him you know working for me didn't didn't change that friendship either um and we still get along as you know we've all we've spent plenty of time together <laughs> and nailers like, i love hanging out with y'all it's so fun we don't yeah. it's kind of like the tour friends we don't get to see each other all that often but when we do there's always plenty of yeah, whiskey right, to go totally. around and uh, yeah it's so fun nailers a ride dude i mean he's an absolute blast you always know where he stands and then, uh, and then the, the cool thing too with the Reverend is, of course, then my wife Penny jumped into this with me and helped me from a distance for the first few years while her kids were little and she needed to be around the house and she started um, getting into the marketing stuff. And now, um, now that our kids are bigger and we've moved the business closer to our home, um, she heads up all of our advertising and, and, and does all the all the visual stuff. Uh, that you see, she runs all the social media. Um, she helps me with customer service on the social media. Um, and, and that's another thing. I mean, Penny and I have been doing, we've been married for, uh, 18 years last week. And, um, and we've been running this. Congratulations. Business. Thanks, man. We've been running the business together for 10 and we've also figured out how to make it work. Um, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm really, really fortunate, man. I really, I feel it with, 
with uh, all the friends and family around me doing the holidays. They're getting to be <laughs> getting to me. What do they say? It's like a family owned and operated and argued over. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic family business. Well, that that's a fucking rad story, man. Um, yeah. I, I I actually found out about Reverend um, through this is where we're gonna get it into. Uh, just so y'all know at home, we're about to drop so many names. Yeah, oh yeah, here uh, it comes. <laughs> uh, it was um, through Chris Funk from the Decemberists. Yeah. I got a random email from him asking um, if I would participate in a benefit for the uh, Children's Cancer Association uh, during an event at uh, South by Southwest. This would have been 2015, I think. Uh, maybe maybe 2016. Um, uh, somewhere in there. But uh, the, the whole idea was that there was this company that was making an air guitar sort of Bluetooth wristband thing that you could wear and you could play air guitar on whatever <laughs> stereo you were hooked up to. It, it was it was kind of like a toy for kids. It was sure. fun. Yeah, um, no, it was cool. But they, they, they wanted to have like a shred off, but with a real, you know, heavy metal shredder where a kid would come up and battle me with a real guitar and they would have like the, the air guitar wristband thing on. And uh, I, I thought it was a really funny idea, but then I wanted to take it a step further. And I was like, well, whoever wins should get a guitar. And I, I called a couple of music shops around town and I, I got no response to see if they could give me just a, you know, a, a inexpensive uh, beginners kind of model and uh, to give away, but uh, no dice there. But uh, Chris reached out to you and you provided us with, uh, I believe, was it a flat rock? Uh, probably think, a flat rack or a buckshot flat or something. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's what it was. And, um, and so when I showed up to the event, you know, they had a, one of the, I think taco cat was playing. They had a Marshall stack that they were letting me borrow and, uh, plugged the Reverend into it. And, uh, just, it was instant. It just, it felt right in my hand just right away. I was like, this is a, awesome. a really nice guitar. Yeah. And, um, I was able, you know, able to shred on it. And it was so fun. It was this little nine year old girl that was the one that volunteered to be the, the other person in the shred off. And, uh, you know, obviously she won the shred off. And then whenever I took the guitar off and, and, and took a knee to present it to her, she freaked out her and her whole family freaked out. They didn't know they were going to win a guitar. Oh, you know, awesome. uh, I hope uh, if you're out there, I hope you still have it. Yeah. For uh, sure. <laughs> and that, that made a positive impact in your life, but that was hands down the most wholesome thing I ever did for South by, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the complete, complete opposite of, uh, every other year, uh, pretty much. But I, um, I don't remember who contacted who, but I, I remember looking at your website after that and just thinking, you know, like, wow, these are, you know, great guitars. And I was kind of wanting to get into a hollow body thing at the time. I, I had sort of played my last pulse to death and I was just looking to kind of like break up my style a little bit and just experiment with other things. And, uh, you have uh, Pete Anderson, who is one of my favorite guitar players and, and record producers of all time. He produced the, the first four, uh, Dwight Yoakam albums, which I, uh, cherish those things. And, uh, he's just a fantastic guitar player. And so I was looking at his models and, and, uh, all the hollow body ones that he does and stuff. And I just thought it would be really cool to try some of that out. And we were going to be playing, I, was it the magic stick It was in Detroit or maybe the state, state theater, majestic or, theater, or majestic, majestic. Yeah. 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 And, um, uh, I, I think I emailed y'all and I, I remember y'all wanting me to kind of hop on the sensei game. And I was like, I don't know, I'm kind of feeling a hollow body thing. And, for whatever reason, I don't know, y'all were like, well, that's kind of a special deal. I don't know. Why don't we bring you a Manta Ray? And uh, I think you brought a Tricky Gomez, yeah, uh, who is also one of my favorite guitar players. Yeah, Tricky Gomez, if y'all haven't heard of him, please uh, go check him out. Yeah, you will. Uh, <laughs> but um, so you brought those out, and I just uh, I threw them just right in the boat, you know, and yeah. I played the whole show with them. I, I didn't think y'all were expecting me to, to – to play the entire show with them. But, uh, I was really, really impressed with the way they played. And also their, th those bodies are a little bit bigger and they make me look a little bit smaller because I'm not a, I'm not a small guy necessarily. And, uh, <laughs> was, they were great. And, um, I, I had a great time. We all had a blast, uh, just, you know, drinking whiskey backstage and, and just talking about guitars and stuff. And it was really, uh, great to get to know y'all. And then, before I could even say anything, I think you and Joe were both like, so are we doing a signature model or what? And I was like, yes. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for. It wasn't my intention to uh, make that happen by the end of the day, but I mean, I, I think we were all pretty much in, in alignment there uh, with what to do. And um, well, you, you said me? you said a couple oh, sorry, things. You said a couple things in that 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 clicked with Naylor. So, like one of the one of the, the things that's cool about working with Joe is watching Joe work with artists because he's like he's a he's a freaky good guitar analyst. And, mm -hmm. and technician, right? And like, like one of the things that he does is, is uh, <clears throat> if he's going to set up somebody's guitar personally, he'll watch them play, and and get in tune to where they 
are on the neck most of the time on the instrument mm -hmm. and set up the instrument to really be intonated for where this person plays most of the time. Like, where are you comfortable? And there are people that, like, do the majority of their work around the, you know, the lower section of the neck or, or you know, your 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 guys that play up around the seventh fret all the time and base everything around mm -hmm. that, that seventh fret E right. and the A string or whatever. And, and he takes that stuff and he thinks about it and he works that into the way when he's setting up a guitar. But when he's designing a guitar, like there was a thing that you said that night because you'd played, you played the Manta Ray for a lot of the set. And you also mm -hmm. played the Tricky Gomez for a couple songs. And, and you came over right away and told Naylor what you liked and disliked about each one. And right away, Naylor, Naylor had an idea in his head of how he could correct what you were looking for and knew that it would be an awesome guitar if we did it. You know what I mean? And uh, it and, and it was basically guitar. we just made it less semi-hollow and we put a little more wood on the bass side of the guitar so that the, the, the attack on the bass side stayed tight when you were riffing and palm muting, yet still had that warmth and openness of the semi-hollow. And Joe just, like, it just clicked with him when you were when you were describing what you were talking about. And that's when Joe said, Joe said something to me like, oh, we should really do this model. I'm like, oh, fucking absolutely. Yeah, let me do another <laughs> shot, and then I'll just drop signature model on him, and we'll see what he says. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it, it was it was flattering, and uh, I was I was really taken aback just because I'm by far the least famous uh, signature model y'all have. I mean, you've got Reese Gabrels, who's with the Cure. He was with David Bowie forever, obviously. Uh, Billy Corgan, uh, Bob Balch, you know, even in Fu Manchu, like we, you could call us colleagues. But I mean, that guy's a monster shredder. You know, what I mean, so e even uh, all that being said, I was like, uh, okay. I mean, I I honestly didn't think we would sell that many. I was just happy to do it, and it was a cool you know, uh, project and stuff, but, um, it's, it's, it's gone really well. Yeah, it's done years. really well. I mean, it's, like, it's, well, it's different, you know, it's cool, man. It is. Uh, one thing that I do like about it is that even though they are signature pickups in the guitar that Joe designed for me as well, um, to, to, to go on my super distortion in the bridge and the P90 mm -hmm. in the neck sort of vibe. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, that those have the signature on them. And then the trust rod cover has the signature on it, but you can take those off and make it your own guitar, which was really important to me, which I, 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 I hope that, uh, was clear to people, I guess, when they were looking at the models, sure, just because sure. like, it doesn't have my big dumb signature on it somewhere that you can't uh, <laughs> get rid of. Um, your, your, I, I, your bridge pickup is Naylor's favorite. All the rail hammers. I I know I'm really proud of that fact. Yeah, I mean he. Uh, plays I, mean, he I, I didn't. He I didn't design it. I just told him what to do. But uh, yeah, I I I, I picked that combo after Tom Scholes uh, from Boston. It's just like the sickest guitar tone ever. I tell that to people and they're like, "Really, Boston?" I was like, "Have you not heard more than a feeling?" Or yeah, just and it, fucking yeah, rock and roll band. People don't think about like, God. People don't think about the tone when they hear that stuff. They just think about the the shtick and the cheesiness of it and stuff. Yeah. And they don't. But I mean, yeah. Tom Tom was a freak, man. I mean, he and what he did with electronics and circuits and all that rock band stuff that he made Absolutely. for all those years. It, it, I mean, he was a tweaker, yeah. dude. He really did some yep. cool shit. And it's a that, that first Boston album is like a crash course in home recording. Yeah. Like when people realize like that, ninety nine percent of that album was made in a basement, like at home. It's just like blows people's minds. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it was so fun uh, designing all that for you and stuff. And we do, uh, we we have. Can, can we tell people I don't care. about what's what's coming up next? Yeah, we, we have a new version of it coming out soon. Uh, uh, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's going to be um, a, a gold top yeah, style, gold. which I'm super excited yeah. about. Um, just because, you know, we, we did the uh, the original runs. Then we did the white one for uh, Doom Side of the Moon, which uh, it was really funny whenever I called you uh, with my idea of Doom Side of the Moon. Uh, I was like, I've got this heavy metal, you know, Pink Floyd laser show band that I'm going to do and but we're going to dress in all white and I need white instruments and this and that do you have I asked you if you had a I think I wanted one of your volcanoes yeah or something like that was white because I didn't want to like put you out you know and because y'all have been so generous to me over the years I the last thing in the world I'd want to do is just ask you for something more and get on your nerves uh, I was trying to go as easy on you as possible and you, the first thing you said was like you don't want a volcano let's we, we need to do your guitar in white just give me a minute hang on and <laughs> you just like called up your factory in Korea and got a, a color sample and just sent it to me out of nowhere I mean just out of the kindness of your heart pretty much is how that felt and I'll, I'll never forget you for that that, white was, sweet, that was awesome it, it, it probably it's probably one of my favorites because we have the piezo uh bridge yeah. in yeah. that one that we routed out and just that one just resonates just way different than the 
the other models. I just I love that guitar. But I also didn't know that you were also in a Pink Floyd tribute band, and that was uh, one more way that we bonded. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'll let you. Uh, yeah, I'll let uh, you describe. Well, uh, yeah, the, the I played on a, that one. I played yeah. a Pink Floyd tribute polka band. It's guitar, bass, drums, Hammond organ, and accordion. And uh, I I was in a cover in the dark period right before I started with Reverend as the sales director. I was in a I, I had a really good bartending job for a little while, and and the place went under. Unfortunately, apparently, I was the only one making money there. And uh, <laughs> and then uh, um, I, so I heaven forbid. Um, I needed money. I had little kids and a beautiful young wife, and uh, I needed cash. And so I played in a cover band for maybe a solid year and a half. And it was like a big cover band with a horn section and the whole, there was a nine-piece band. And I had to learn, I learned a lot of crap that I never would have learned how to play all of that, you know, Mustang Sally and Vehicle and Brown Eyed Girl and all that fucking shit that those bands do. That stuff makes you a better player. But it does, it truly, it truly did make me a better player. And, and I gained some respect for some of that material. Like, if you've ever played uh, the song Domino by Van Morrison, it is the fucking most badass guitar part it is like fun as hell and so i discovered some <laughs> stuff that i thought was kind of cool in doing that but um but anyways a couple of the guys in that band were also polka musicians and they would like we would do like a a like a bar gig or like you know weddings and shit shit like that you know and um and sometimes their polka band leader would come and pick them up at two in the morning from our gig and they would be driving out to the East Coast to do like a polka festival the next day. And I was like, that's crazy. Like you're, you're, you're gonna drive, you know, 11 hours to New York City from Toledo and you're leaving at two in the morning. Well, yeah, I mean, we're playing, you know, we're gonna be playing at, at, at you know, four tomorrow afternoon or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then, and I'm like, why on earth would you do that? And then I found out what those guys got paid. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. And and then it's still just, it never occurred to me that I would ever play polka. I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world, right? Like polka. <clears throat> okay. And uh, <laughs> and then at rehearsal a couple weeks later, our, our idiot singer was late. And um, I just, for no reason, started playing Comfortably Numb with a polka shuffle. I just, I do like a thumb and finger style thing. Like I don't use a pick all the time. And I just yeah. started, mm -da, mm -da, mm -da, mm -da. and of course, all these Polacks just started playing with me, right? And we, and then of course, they knew all the changes because everybody knows the song and stuff. And we ended up doing the whole song. And then one of the horn guys was like, oh, you guys are Polka Floyd. And that was it. It stuck. And those guys then wanted, we, I would come to practice and I'd be like, so listen, here's how I think we could do like have a cigar in Polka. Like we do this and this with the beat. Oh, that's really cool. And then, you know, we could play Wish You Were Here and turn this part into a waltz. And, and then, and it just like, it all just happened so naturally. And then the drummer wanted to record it to play through the PA when they would do festivals with their big polka band and uh, big polka band. I said it, but you know, I mean, these, <laughs> a couple of those guys have like Grammys and shit. I mean, it's, polka is a thing that happens out there. So, um, and and then we recorded and then we're like, well, we should do a gig. And then we've been gigging for 15 years <laughs> and we do festivals all over the country. We've played at the NAMM show in California. We were invited to play out there once, which was quite a thrill and also a little terrifying to get up in front of the industry and do something so goofy. But the thing is, is that we do it well. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, you know, it's kind of like, kind of like when somebody and totally inspired by, if it weren't for Dred Zeppelin, that band, I would have never started the Polka Floyd show if it weren't for Dred Zeppelin. Right. And when you oh, explain yeah. Dred Zeppelin to somebody, you're, they, people are like, oh, that's fucking idiocy. And then you see them play and you're like, <laughs> these guys are gods because they're gods. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Right. And, uh, and I just hope to inspire that kind of energy. The guys in my band are really good. And so we take it seriously and do it right. And it's fun. That's really cool, man. And but like, because you're so long. I'm sorry. No, this I I, I love that uh, connection. <laughs> so we have so much in common in, in so many uh, yeah, I know, right? ways. Yeah. Um, and another one is that, uh, and most people at home, I'm writing a a book right now called Written in Stoned, uh, just about my life and music. And uh, but a lot of people don't know that the first touring band I was ever in um, was a ska band. 
that I played trombone in. It was I, back when I was 15, I would have done anything to be in a band. That's all I ever wanted to do. Like come hell or high water, I was going to be in a fucking band. And uh, no, you know, I did. I knew you played a an ska band, but I didn't know you played bone. That's hilarious. It, it was it was trombone, and because uh, I, I saw this band and their trombone player sucked, and uh, I went up to the band and I was like, "Hey, uh, you know, I played trombone, and if you give me your tape, I'll learn your songs." And I saw you have a a show in Odessa next week because I lived in Midland at the time. Odessa was the next town over, and uh, I said, "If I learn all your songs, do you think I could play with you guys?" And I, they were all you know twenty twenty one, and then was I was fifteen. I had to have looked like ten at the time and i don't know why they agreed to let me do it but i i played the show with them i, I met them for sound check and they were like well this kid can play all right and um yeah they let me get in the van with them my my folks were okay with it uh we 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 wouldn't tour per se we, we would do like long weekends sure, of, sure. of gigging and stuff like that but I, I came back you know to high school after that just like you know y'all this is all bullshit. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> like no I've seen the real world. In school right now. I know, right? Yeah, I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And um, uh, and so on and so forth. It, but I, I quit. I was only in the band for about a year and a half. I quit. I started to get more into, like, just hardcore, uh, just hardcore punk, hardcore ska. Eventually led me down to, like, you know, grindcore bands, like uh, uh, Nasum and Converge and stuff. And I sort of just got into metal that way. But um, but I, I still love ska music and like ska has so much in common with polka, really. And that's kind of like your main gig these days is uh, playing with ska bands, right? Yeah, you know it's weird because the the accent is on the other beats, so it's it's yeah. I I have to unlearn things, and I mean I do okay if I just get my thumb out of it if I just play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the upstrokes with my fingers, you know. Um, but I play in a band called Jay Navarro and the Traders with uh, Jay Navarro from the Mighty Suicide Machines uh out of detroit and we're um it's a blast man and jay a few years ago wanted to dabble into something that was a little more traditional sky wise one of his really good friends up in detroit's a guy named eric abbey um who's from super dot and he's in a great band called 1492 and he runs he runs this collective called the detroit rhythm crew which is a um it's a, a a group of Detroit musicians and a group of Jamaican musicians that record together. Uh, Eric flies down to Jamaica and and records all these guys and brings the tracks back and fits. I've, I've had the honor of getting to play some of this stuff. It's really, really cool. And so Jay wanted to do something a little more traditional, whereas the, you know, the suicide machines is way more into the punk rock side of Scott. Um, and so he just started assembling a band and he saw me playing Pope Floyd. And he's like, dude, I want you to be my guitar player. Uh, for this thing I'm doing, which is really, really cool. But the the weird thing is I lean on Jay really heavily to play all the rhythm in that band because Navarro's ska rhythm guitar playing is unnatural, you know, and, and, and makes me feel like really kind of inadequate. <laughs> like well, you, the the dude is just such a natural at it, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. But your role in the band is more of like the shredder anyway. Like well, yeah. Like what I, well, here's the licks in between the verses and stuff like that. Well, there's only a trombone in the band. And so I mm-hmm. like to think of myself as the saxophone, you know? And so I'll, yeah. I play accent stuff with the trombone player. And the trombone player and I duel leads often, which is rad. And uh, it's it's really different, man. It's really fun. And the band is called Jay Navarro and the Traders. And we're, we're working on our second full length right now. And there's one full length. Uh, out and an EP out on Asbestos Records, and and we get to do you know because Jay's notoriety, we get to do really cool shit. We went over to Japan for a couple weeks, uh, summer before last, uh, which was like unbelievable, and, and got to tour around Japan with Coquettish, which is a great fucking ska band over there, like totally. mind blowing, and and uh, and and we just we get to do fun shit, man. It's really cool, and I'm I'm not young. I'm 51 years old, you know now. Just, I got to, I know, I, this, of course, obviously this last year has been kind of a bummer for everybody, but I mean, it's, it's exciting, uh, preparing for, uh, you know, next year and the year after and what's going to come and working on this full length has just kind of given me like this thing to look forward to. Um, I really like, I really like the band and the songs and where we're going and what we're doing. So. You, it, it, now you have hard, something to look man. forward to once we get all this shit behind us too, in this this upcoming year too, right? With the sword. Yeah, well, the sword. I mean, it was kind of it, it, 
we had been on a hiatus for a while without any real idea of when we were going to return. And it took Primus calling us up out of the blue yeah. to get us and asking us to, to open their Rush tribute tour, which was crazy enough in itself. <laughs> totally. Um, and, and so we were, it was literally like us all on the phone, like, we're getting the band back together. Yeah, uh, you know, great. and uh, as it, it couldn't have come at a, a, a cooler time for me personally. I mean, my my year ended up so much differently than it was supposed to be. Yeah, Everybody's totally. did, but Everybody's uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, it's still in the books. Uh, it hasn't been canceled or anything like that. So uh, supposedly July that, and August, we're we're gonna do it. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm gonna say it. Who cares? Uh, I, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that Primus wasn't just going to cover um, Rush's Farewell to Kings. They were going to, like, get the gear that Rush used during those tours. And, like, I, I don't know about the exact gear. I just mean, yeah, like, yeah, you know, no, like, I, I know get you get the entire experience as dialed in as possible to sound like that. And uh, that is that is no easy task. I just covered, um, I've been doing a, a, a series of uh, free cover songs just during the quarantine time just to sort of try to brighten people's days. Yeah, right. Um and uh, I just covered uh, Temples of Syrinx, and I mean, it is so hard. Even one of the easier Rush songs. Like, oh, yeah. Those guys were the three geniuses that just created this sound that a lot of people like to bag on or complain about or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, you play that shit, man. That is not fucking easy. Even a band like Primus, like, I'm sure they were, like, just, like... Hey, let's do that. That'll be cool. And then I'm, I, I'm sure they were having some moments of just like, oh God, what were we thinking? But uh, <laughs> I, I got to show guitars to Alex once, and this yeah. is a really funny story. I, I, I heard he's a sweet guy. He was so nice to me, dude. It was, it was ridiculous. I, I worked with this. <laughs> I, I worked with, and it's another sad story. Um, but um, one of my favorite bands in the universe was a Canadian band called the Tragically Hip. And, uh, mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. just, I grew up on the Canadian border up here in Detroit and Toledo area. And so we get Canadian radio and, and, and the, that band always did well, you know, with gigs in Detroit and, and Northern Ohio and Toledo and Cleveland and everything because of that. And, um, and they're just an awesome band with this really innovative singer and, 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 uh, with just a lot of really interesting shit to say. And the, the guitar playing in that band was, it was awesome and really cool a lot of really cool riffy stuff and and um and i don't know if it's just a canadian thing or whatever but yeah they would have their sort of verse chorus verse chorus songs but then they would have songs that just told a story that just went you know what i mean without a refrain yeah and and totally. and, and that kind of shit is like really that kind of shit interests me you know and um so i stalked the tragically hip for years to get them playing reverend shit and um and i finally got that I finally got the guitar players um, using my stuff, you know, here and there, and, and it got worked into their mix. And then they they used Reverence on the last four studio albums that they recorded before their their singer passed away a few years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, so I got to be pretty good friends with Rob Baker, their lead player, and and I was talking to him on the phone one day because you like you know this, you've seen this when you're out on the road too. A lot of bands, and especially when you get like up on that level, a lot of bands share touring gear. You know, like a, like we, totally. I, I have like a weird relationship with one of the guys in Mark Knopfler's band, and I've got to show guitars to Mark Knopfler a few times too. Who's my like all time hero? And you go to like That's a Mark so Knopfler cool. show, and it's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers gear on all the road cases backstage and shit. <laughs> but that, but I mean, that's how, because they, you know, that they use each other's stuff when they're in each other's countries and who knows yeah. how these arrangements are, are worked out and stuff. So I knew, um, Rush was touring the States and they were coming through Toledo and Canadian bands. I knew that, that some of the guys on the hips crew were doing the Rush tour. And, uh, so I, I'm talking to Rob Baker on the phone, and I said, "Hey man, I know some of your uh, some of your crew dudes are out on the rush tour. Uh, do you think you could reach out to somebody and see if you could get me in? I'd like to show a couple guitars to Alex because they were doing uh, beat cities, and when they were touring for uh, playing with the that one tour where they played Moving Pictures, um, they played yeah. at Huntington Arena in Toledo, and and I was like, do you think you could get me into the Toledo show? I'd really like to meet Alex." And uh, and Robbie doesn't say anything for a really long time, and then he goes, "Well, I mean, I could ask the crew guys if you want, but I'm playing golf with Alex on Sunday. Do you want me to just ask him?" 
<laughs> and then he started laughing at me and never let me forget about it. Oh, you want me to oh, ask the crew, man. asshole? And uh, and so yeah, he hooked us up, and and Alec, we went down there with uh, with a handful of guitars, actually a Manta Ray and a Sensei, and um, and Alex played them during sound check, you know, and we're standing on the side of the stage with his guitar tech watching him play our shit, and of course everything was done in, in, in ears and there were no like amp stacks on stage or anything. Right, so we couldn't yeah. hear a fucking thing while he was like playing around with them, which was kind of weird. But, um, and then like, he, but when I met him, he's like, Oh, you're Robbie's friend, Ken. So tell me about Reverend guitars. That was the first thing out of his mouth. And I was just wow. like, so blown away. I, I didn't know what to say. I was like, uh, uh, I love you. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was so ill prepared for him to ask me a question, you know? Um, and, uh, and then it was really, really cool. And he ended up getting the sensei from me and he has it in his studio. And he sent me a little note a couple of months later telling me how proud I should be for making such great guitars and shit. And I had like that note, like uh, framed on the wall in my office because it's fucking Alex Lifeson, man. You know, yeah, it's, it's like amazing. The dude's incredible. a legend. And you know, you know, he played on the last Fu Manchu record. I know he did the the working man. No, 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 not the working man cover. God damn it. Uh, no, the, no, yeah. Well, but those guys mixed that for them or something. There was some. There's something going on with the working man thing too. But no, the on the um. Oh shit! What the what hell? was the song called? I can't remember. Is that, that like ten minute? Yeah, minute man. Song. <laughs> yeah, that Alex played on. It's pretty fucking rad. Yeah, it's super rad. And when Bob called me and told me that, I'm like, dude, that's. And you're right. You were Bob is a machine, man. That dude yeah. can play and. We've put him up like we did a thing with him and Greg Cock, and the two of them started like doing some sort of jazz shit. And then I'm sitting there, I'm sitting in between Ridiculous. Greg Cock and Bob Balch holding a guitar like a moron. <laughs> I know that's, that's how I feel when I'm hanging around Greg. I'm just like, good yeah, lord, he can do anything. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. nuts. Yeah, right. I'm gonna but, play. Uh, <laughs> On the other I hand, to say like it's. it's people it's, ask me what it's like doing demos with Greg Cock all the time, and I'm always like, well, the thing that's cool about playing with Greg is you're never going to hang with the dude. So you just lose all pretense that you're going to be able to hang with the dude and just relax and have fun. Like whatever you do is going to be just fine because this dude plays circles around everybody on the planet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, He's also hanging around you and him too. Greg, I don't know if people have met him. He's also like, you know, six foot seven. Yeah. You're you're a tall guy yourself. And so like, it's the only hanging around you guys is the only time I've actually feel little. (laughs) Greg's Greg's kid plays drums in Greg's band. Kid's six ten. Good lord, He's monster. what is going on with the, that man's DNA? Yeah. Well, I don't want to take up your whole night. I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about Reverend, uh, one of my favorite companies uh, that out there right now. That it's actually my favorite company, and uh, it's just because you care about your artists. Y'all have stuck with me through the ups and the downs and the changes, and it, there's it, I've never felt once that there's ever been an ounce of regret in uh, bringing me on and that just it means so much to me and i just wanted to say thank you for yeah man for, just for being there for me um thank you for being there for like, us and talking about us and thanks for having me on i appreciate it and we'll uh, oh we'll you're look, gonna have to look forward to this gold guitar it's gonna be a beaut i'm excited yeah, i was gonna say you're gonna have to actually kick me off your roster to get me to go away because I'm, I'm playing reverend for life nice. Uh, <laughs> nice. i absolutely love y'all and uh we, we usually have our guests uh play us out with a song, do you have anything from the traders that you want to uh, throw on? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if you can play any new stuff, but if you have any favorite tracks off one of your old records, I'd love to play it for the people. Yeah, man. Uh, right apart off the first record, because it's it's got it's got the fun uh, trombone slash guitar lead we were talking about earlier. So enjoy everybody. Right apart, Jane Navarro and the Traders. Yeah. Hell yeah! Thank you so much, Ken. Yeah, man. Be good.
much for tuning into the highway this week a big shout out to reverend guitars Railhammer pickups and earthquaker devices if you liked what you heard you can follow where you can follow subscribe where you can subscribe and if you want to go one step further you can support us on patreon at the highway with kyle shut for a few bucks a month you can help us keep this party going get early access to next week's episode and even get yourself a shout out <laughs>